How would you like to do church like Jesus did? Over the past few years, we've learned that church can happen in a very meaningful way outside of a church building. In fact, we're getting raving reviews from our house churches, which are now over 100. Though I thank God for churches in buildings and on campuses, God is leading more and more people these days to gather for church in their homes. Not only is it easier for many people to attend a house church, but a house church can offer a level of community that campuses can't. Well, I'm excited to announce that every Thursday in December and January, I plan to host a house church interest meeting on Zoom at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you're not attending a church right now and are interested, or if you know of anyone who's interested, then all they have to do is email us at hcinfo at solidlives.com or click the link in the description of this video. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's Word daily will change your life. I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, now let's pray, and we'll jump into God's Word. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that it's inspired. I pray that each person watching or listening today will hear what you have to say to them through your Word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 1, and by the way, I've got my handy-dandy glasses here, so I'm going to see everything even more clearly than normal. All right, here's what Luke says. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. We should stop and point out that Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and it seems that these two were written back to back. The Gospel of Luke first, and then the book of Acts, and he sent these, maybe together, but maybe one right after the other. And it seems that this was written, had to be written just after the completion of the events of the book of Acts. So after Acts 28 was completed, sometime thereafter, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And so he said, he's writing this and he's telling Theophilus, the most excellent Theophilus, that I wanted you to know what happened in the ministry of Jesus and then in the subsequent ministry of the Acts of the Apostles. Verse 5, here's where it really begins. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Some translations say Zechariah. Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell 
to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And uh, a lot was considered to be a direction from God. And so uh, his lot fell, and now he has the privilege of going into the holy place, not the holy of holy, but just the holy place of the temple, and to burn incense on the incense altar there in the temple. Verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This was not normal when a priest would go in to burn incense. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. You can imagine, he's not used to having anybody else in there. And all of a sudden, bam, there's an angel there. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So notice this angel gives very specific instructions. First of all, he predicts a miracle that's going to happen with Zacharias' barren wife, who is now elderly, and Zacharias is as well, older, past the age to bear children. And, it's, and the angel says, you will bear a son, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So even tells him the name. Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Well, of course, this is not just a birth. Uh, every birth is to be rejoiced about. But this would be a miraculous birth, a miraculous conception and birth. Verse 15, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So when it says he's not going to drink wine or strong drink, really what he's saying to Zechariah says, your son is going to be a Nazarite. Okay, a Nazarite would not eat anything from the grapevine, uh, neither grapes nor raisins, nor drink any wine, anything from a grape they would have no part of. And they would not cut their hair either. Verse 16, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, and notice the translators here put a capital H. He will also go before him, talking about the Messiah to come. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? Notice the response. How, how shall I know this? We might say it like this. How do I know this is true? How do I know that's really going to happen? He said, for I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And notice, how do I know this is true? How shall I know this? And the angel said, I, like almost as if to say, do you know who I am? I am Gabriel who stands in the very presence of the Almighty God. If this is a message from God, you don't need to ask, how do you know if it's true? You need no verification. When God speaks, things come to pass. So he said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. You're supposed to be happy about this. Verse 20, but behold, you will be mute 
and not able to speak until the days these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, sometimes people may wonder, so why did the angel declare that he would be mute? But you can understand if Zacharias is dealing with doubt and he's not believing this and he can continue to speak, he can continue to release words of doubt. You know, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so this is such an important thing for John to come to go before Jesus, who then will come six months later. This angel Gabriel is going to show up, we'll see, to Mary and announced that there will be a miraculous conception there as well, except for that one will be a virgin conception. This one is not. And so we'll see that uh, this same angel is going to come and uh, announce the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. But this is such an important event that this angel is saying, no, this has to happen. So therefore, you're not going to be able to speak until the day that it happens. And so, verse 21, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he had lingered so long in the temple. In other words, this was not normal that he would be delayed this long just burning incense because there's this conversation going on with the angel. Verse 22, But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained silent. So he was evidently making hand motions like, this is what happened, but he couldn't explain it to them. Verse 23, So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, in other words, the priest would work a certain amount of time, and then they would have time off. So as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. What do you know? And she hid herself five months. Now why is this? Well, she's older, past the age, to be able to get pregnant. And so in a way, even though this is a great joy to her, it's a little embarrassing too, because she knows this is going to be the talk of the town. So it says, And she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, what's a reproach? That's something that people would look down upon. There's something wrong with you. It's a reproach. Could be something that you did wrong that remains a stigma in your reputation. But in this case, we're talking about the fact that she couldn't have children. It was presumed among the people in these days, that if you could not bear a child, then God must have something against you. You must have some kind of flaw or sin in your life where God is not blessing you. And so she always felt ashamed that there's something wrong with her, that she can't bear children. And so she says once again, verse 25, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me. Isn't that precious? He looked on me. Of all the people in the world, God noticed me. And it says, he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. God is removing that shame. Never again will anybody be able to say she's barren. She could never have children. They'll talk about this miracle child. Verse 26, here it is. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, 
Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. You're blessed of all the women in the world. You are blessed. Verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Oh, this is a big deal because God had promised David, you'll never have, you'll never cease to have a son sitting on your throne forever. And so now Mary is of the line of David. Joseph is of the line of David. And so the baby would be of the line of David. But not only is he of the lineage of David, but this is the descendant, the seed, the son of David that God prophesied about, namely the Messiah. So this is a profound and I mean surprising announcement from the angel to Mary. Verse 33, the angel goes on to say, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So the 12 tribes of Israel or all of Israel. So he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Thank God the kingdom is, is still expanding today. Verse 34, now watch this. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now some people may think that's about the same response that Zacharias gave. Not so. And here's why. There are two reasons. Number one, if you go back to verse 13, it says, but the angel said to him, Zacharias, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Notice this is an answer to their prayer. They prayed to have a son. And so the angel is bringing the answer to prayer. This Mary, who had not been married yet, she was not praying to have a baby with no husband. And so this is a complete shock and a surprise. This is a different situation. But notice Zacharias said down here in verse 18, Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? How do I know that this is really going to happen? Well, Mary didn't ask, how do I know that this is going to happen? She's saying, how could that happen since I don't have a husband? Well, that's a reasonable question. That's not a question of doubt. That, that's a question of understanding because Zacharias understands that he's going to go home and he and his wife will have intimacy. Mary's like, how's that going to work here with me? Like, I have no husband. We have no intimacy. See, so she says uh, in verse, let's see. Verse 34, how can this be since I do not know a man? That's a reasonable question. It's not doubt. It's just clarification. And the angel said, verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, this is going to happen before you ever do have intimacy with a man. This is going to be supernatural by the power of God. And that's why this baby is going to be called the son of God. Verse 36. Now, indeed, the angel goes on to say, now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son 
in her old age. Well, Mary's saying, what? Elizabeth has conceived a son? Like, how, how did that happen? So now she realizes, oh, this is supernatural, these things that are happening. Now, let me just mention this, too, that I think is an important point. Before all of these things began, these angels showing up to announce these pregnancies, and of course, magi showing up, uh, wise men in the east, the angels showing up to the shepherds, which we'll see in the next chapter. We went through about 400 years in history of complete silence. In other words, there were no prophecies. There were, were no supernatural manifestations, no angels showing up, no visions, nothing. It was what we call the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, uh, really Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, particularly Luke, because Luke starts really in its history before the other Gospels do. And so this 400-year period, there's, there's nothing. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, they really don't have any supernatural manifestations or prophecies or anything. And all of a sudden, angels start showing up, and there's activity in the spirit realm. Why? because the time has come for the prophecies about Jesus to be fulfilled. So notice this. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Don't you love that? For her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Don't you love that? For with God... Nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She wants to go right to her relative who also had this miraculous conception and, and have some fellowship because... Who else would understand what's happening here? And so verse 41, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, and this is a prophetic utterance, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Notice Mary hadn't even had a chance to tell Elizabeth that the angel had come or what the angel had said. But Elizabeth, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is prophesying this out to Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Isn't that amazing? This is powerful. I mean, down inside the womb, the baby heard the voice of the mother of the Messiah. And this prophetic baby, this prophet in the womb, leaped with joy. And so the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Mary hadn't even had a chance to tell her that anything was told her from the Lord. But Elizabeth prophesied, blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And let me tell you, blessed are you who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told you by the Lord. If you believe them, if you believe them, then those things that God has told you will come to pass. Verse 46, and Mary said, now Mary's going to go into 
a prophetic song. It's called the Song of Mary. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Notice the humility here. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And that Beautiful uh, song, a narrative here. Verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months. Now, of course, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. So whether she remained with her until the baby was born or until just before the baby's born, we really don't know. I would guess it was till just after the baby was born. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now Elizabeth's full time, excuse me, now Elizabeth's, Full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, which was the law for Jewish boys. And they would have called him by the name of, of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. You can see the tradition of how they would name their children. Verse 62. So they made signs to his father. Why are they making signs to him? Well, I don't really know because the Bible doesn't say he couldn't hear. It says he couldn't speak. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. <laughs> Boy, Zacharias is not taking any chances. He does not want to say the wrong thing. He wants to say what that angel said. His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice the whole family here is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham. Don't you love that? That he brings up that covenant of Abraham. Verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, 
for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Oh, they understood that this baby that was just born is going to go before the Messiah and begin to minister in advance to prepare the way of the Lord. Verse 77, Zacharias goes on to say, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins throughout the, or excuse me, through, verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God. Don't you love this? This is all happening through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then this last verse in the chapter. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel or his coming out in public to minister to Israel. So what a beautiful supernatural story between two women, one old and too old to have children, one young, <laughs> too single to have children. And the, the angel Gabriel comes to each of them six months apart and announces, hey, God is moving things forward to bring his son into the world to save the world. And he announces it to two women and begins to move upon two women supernaturally to bring about the plans of God. Let me tell you, God... Yes, he does want us to be involved, but God will find whatever ways necessary to bring his plan of salvation to pass for people to at least give people an opportunity to be saved. Well, that's the longest chapter in the New Testament, and we made it through, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow for chapter two. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Jerry Dearman